I think about all the changes that I've ever been through in organisational change, that ability to sort of think critically and solve problems, a little bit of reasoning and logic is really important in change. So we're not just driven by our emotions. So, yep. you know, and I think they do appear often in the top skills. <laughs> so we're all right. <laughs> there we go. All right, welcome to episode number 48 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty, and today we've got Joe Lee joining us. Uh, Joe is a former colleague of mine uh, and is the current owner of the Coach Collective. She has over 20 years of experience in the learning and development sector, and I'm just really grateful for you being here, Joe. Well, thanks, Andy. It's great to talk to you. So you... Uh, you're in. You, you said you're in sunny Kent uh, this morning. Explain for our listeners where Kent is. Yes, I'm in Kent, which is the southeast of England. Um, so it's it's called the Garden of England, and it is rather beautiful. Um, but originally, I come from Yorkshire, in the north of England, which is really where my heart is. Sorry, Kent. Ah, uh, yes. So <laughs> that uh, Yorkshire accent. Occasionally, I've lost most of it. <laughs> Well, uh, so I've asked Joe to join us on the show uh, as our first guest in the mini-series uh, on the importance of change management within organizations uh, to get the perspective of coaches and mentors who are frequently at the forefront of any change conversation that's happening in, in your business. Uh, but as we always do, uh, before we get started, uh, Joe, please uh, share with our audience your story. Oh, okay. So um, I've had a pretty varied career. I started at 17 as an apprentice in financial services in the UK, grew up very quickly um, working from that age. I've always worked apart from three maternity leaves and one adoption leave. And um, in those sort of early days, I developed into a business analyst and then a project manager. So I was I was very much exposed to change in those roles. And one of the most vivid memories I have is getting to the end of a project and feeling really pleased with myself that we'd achieved this project, met the deadline, you know, achieved the quality and going into my internal stakeholder, my client, feeling pretty smug. And I was floored by the feedback I got from that internal client they and their team had found the whole process really super challenging and were not very happy. And I was like, what? But we met the deadline. <laughs> and, it, and it really woke me up. But I was at the time, I was probably in my, I was probably in my late 20s by that time. And it woke me up to uh, that most important part of project management and change management, which is people. <laughs> How do we transition? when change is imposed on us and let's face right. it change is mostly imposed on us in organizations so with that sort of revelation i fell into learning and development and i i, I suppose my career since that time has been about working with individuals working with teams to help them be brilliant that's how i like to think about it so as a nice. facilitator a coach a consultant um you know, I support people to to find ways to be brilliant, is what I would say. 
I just I love that uh, fr- that framing. Uh, hi, I'm from Learning and Development, and I'm here to help you be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I would like to say I've had a lot of success. So people people are often more confident, and I think confidence leads to brilliance. So I think that yeah. that is a really good thing to do. And I I think it throughout my career I've probably worked half my career in large organizations and half running my own business. So I've run a consultancy three times over my career, and that's always been driven by my own need to change. I've got a very understanding family and a partner (laughs) who lets me do things like that and, you know, doesn't get in my way. So now we've got the Coach Collective, 100 strong coaches from all across the world, helping small and medium businesses scale up. So that's that's the latest in the in the sort of consultancy piece. That's great. Um, so other than the story in your late 20s, it was was there you know just a moment uh, of awakening an accelerant to, to your career uh, that just put rocket boosters behind you that you could share with our audience? Um, I would say that I had, a fantastic manager um, in the early 90s. And that manager really believed in me and became my champion. And uh, I was really lucky, I think, to have somebody like that. Uh, So he encouraged me to believe in myself. Through him, I built an amazing strategic network of people who could influence my career who I could learn from, who were role models. He encouraged me to take risks. And and I think the really important thing he did for me was he helped me change perceptions about what was possible for me. So remember, I started work at 17. I didn't do my A-levels. I didn't go to uni. And I carried with me a bag of limiting beliefs, which he really helped me reframe and actually get rid of. And, you know, through him, and I would always say through him, you know, from my sort of early 30s, which is what I would have been around then, I, I just saw no barriers. So it made me bold. It made me courageous. And I think what he was doing was he was demonstrating coaching skills even before I knew really what coaching was all about. Right. So that, that, probably was the biggest thing in my career, my turning point, I think. Yeah, we, we hear far too often about uh, bad managers and uh, the disappointing experiences. And uh, I, I love asking this question, you know, what was one of the main accelerants to your career? Uh, because a lot of times it comes back to one human interaction, one relationship yeah. that just really uh, made help make a change in the individual, uh, and so I, I th- thank you so much for sharing that. Um, our main topic today is change, uh, but I'd like to start off with a brief exploration of coaching and the coaching industry, as the two topics, in my opinion, are highly interrelated. Uh, for our listeners who have not engaged with a coach in a business setting, can you explain the role of a coach and uh, what the coachee can expect from that from an engagement? Well, I'll try. <laughs> I think coaching is very different depending on who you're being coached by. So 
Um, I think I think to start off, isn't it interesting how coaching is everywhere at the moment, and and it's grown so much. So we hear the word every day. We probably hear the word. We see it. You know, it's there around us. We've got on-demand coaching through platforms. We've got coaching focused on things like mental health. We've got group coaching, team coaching, leader coaching. And I, I did a little bit of research before coming on here, and I was looking at the International Coaching Federation website, and they have 50,000 members. Now, in the late 90s, they had 1,500. <laughs> so, you know, coaching has exploded. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet... You know, you ask different people, we have different opinions about what it is. I don't think there is one definition. So I'll give you, I'll sort of give you mine. Mine is about coaching's about self-awareness and development in order for me to be my best self. So it's about raising my self-awareness. It's about helping me develop. It's the opportunity for me to work in partnership with an expert you know, an, an expert coach, they are highly skilled, somebody who can help me explore my strengths, can help me understand what's stopping me, help me unblock those obstacles, help me reach my potential. And, and how that happens is generally through conversation. So um, the coach would really listen. They'll ask you powerful, sometimes confronting questions. They'll encourage you to experiment, to try things out, to take risks. They'll use creativity. Some of the techniques a coach uses are, you know, really fun and creative. Um, and they will challenge you. You know, they're, they're there to support you, but they will challenge you as well. And that's, that's what a coach needs to offer. Uh, you know, it's not a cosy chat. It's hard work <laughs> and it's very much action focused. You know, that's that's coaching to me. Yeah. So let's let's uh, explore the, the opposite angle. And and my uh, my goal here uh, through all through this conversation is to help managers uh, recognize that coaching is a big part of their job. But mm. so many managers are frankly, objectively terrible at, uh, at coaching. <laughs> so uh, can you help us understand what coaching isn't? Mm, I think this is a really hard question. <laughs> so I guess what coaching isn't telling someone what to do. Yes. That's definitely not coaching. But it also isn't fixing it for someone. So it's not taking ownership of that and you know, fixing it yourself. It, it might be giving advice and guidance. And I'm, I'm very much a pragmatist when it comes to coaching. I think if, if I'm a coach, I'm bringing my whole self into the room. If my experience is helpful, I'll ask permission, but I'll share that if that's helpful to the person. So it isn't, it isn't fixing, it isn't telling someone to do what to do. Um, but there's a wealth of other things that you can do. And I think managers as coaches are in a really interesting position because they have skin in the game. They, you know, it's important for them that they bring their knowledge of the organisation, their knowledge of the team. 
So, so it's, you know, it's using that helpfully to support somebody reach their potential and not using that to perhaps impose how you want people to do things. So I'm not sure I've answered that very well, but it was a tricky no, one. <laughs> no, I think you've uh, hit, uh, from my perspective at least, you've hit the nail on the head. Coaching, uh, and many of us that grew up in sports, um, <laughs> myself included, uh, we've seen different coaches uh, through throughout our lives and have exposed been exposed to the telling and directing mm -hmm. coaches this is how you do it uh, I'm I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do uh, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of listening there's not a lot of exploration that happens there uh, and I like to think about coaching as really refining the art of the question mm -hmm. and uh, and getting the ears uh, to to open up and uh, and so this is my my goal here with this uh, this this uh, a lot of this podcast is uh, to help managers to open their minds open their ears uh, be better storytellers, ask better questions, and that leads to uh, creating an environment of trust. So do, do uh, am I triangulating in on that? Yeah, that really resonates with me. And I think, I think if we can encourage and help develop managers to ask good questions and not to give a solution, we will get somewhere with empowering people and helping them to find their own way, and I think that's really important. Awesome. So let, let's get into change and change management. Um, you, you've already uh, re recalled uh, one experience, but uh, do you have other examples from your career when a big change event occurred and the company didn't take into account the change cycle that everybody needed to go through? And most importantly, what happened? What were the ramifications? Mm -hmm. So a couple of examples come to mind. Um, the first one, I suppose, was a was a huge change. It was a, a rebranding and a, a culture change for an organisation that I was a part of. And um, and what they did well was they got the beginning right. You know, they created a sense of urgency. You know, we talked a lot about burning platforms. This is aging me somewhat when, you know, we talked about good to great and all that stuff. Right. And um, so they did all that and they, they told the story well. And they actually put a lot of money and investment in the beginning. They created an experience that we all went through to feel what the culture would be like. But they forgot some real fundamentals. So they forgot to remove some big obstacles, particularly around the process of performance management, of talent management and reward. So what happened was people started to be a bit cynical about the change. And so the goodwill that they got up front, where people were very much prepared to try it out, they lost that because they forgot some real fundamentals. So what they didn't do well is they didn't give the people the resources that would help them take action. So we right. sort of got stuck at the, yeah, we get it, but we can't do anything with it. Right. <laughs> and the ramification was actually that what well, the investment, which was fantastic, and you know, I've never been on a project that's had quite so much investment, 
it sort of all fizzled out and um, it took probably about two years longer than they anticipated because it just got some of those fundamentals wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is this is one of the things that I'm uh, I, I really want to get out in this uh, in this mini series is the cost of mm-hmm. not managing change can be uh, substantial both in time and dollars and pounds and uh, yeah. whatever other currency yeah. euros you want to count it in. Yeah, I think I think in that situation they definitely lost a couple of years. And they they lost the goodwill that they had really built up. They'd done a brilliant job, and they just lost that goodwill. So it wasn't it wasn't worth it in the end. Yeah. They 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 needed to rethink. Um, there's a lot more to that story, but I'll save that for another day. <laughs> well, let, let's uh, let's just slightly shift gears. So let's suppose that you were hired mm. to help a company navigate a, a major change event. Mm. Uh, what are the pieces that need to be in place? You've alluded to some, but what are the mm. pieces that need to be in place for the best possible outcome? And how does coaching fit into that? Yeah, so you won't be surprised if I focus on the people side of things. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, we there has to be a vision, you know, but it's not just that shiny future. It's mm. got to be a vision that we understand, that we get, and that we can buy into because, you know, we've got to move towards this. If you want us to live in a change situation, we've got to move towards it. And... We don't all have to buy into it. So I've really changed my view on how to manage people through change. I used to say, oh, we've got to embrace change. We must embrace change. It's really important. I don't believe that actually now. I believe we can make a choice. You know, if the organization is changing, it doesn't suit us. We can make a choice about that. Right. We don't don't have to embrace it or pretend to embrace it, you know. So that vision is really important because that's what we hook into, you know, why are we doing this? What will the future look like? What's going to change and when is it going to change? I think a lot of organisations talk about change for so long and the rest of us are going, well, bring it on then. Come on, we're waiting. (laughs) You know, that's, that's really important. So... So I think I think there's a, a real disconnect for me in those people who lead change and those people who change is imposed on, which is the majority. So the leaders of change, they've been through all that angst, concern, frustration, and they've come out the other side. And, and we don't see them until they've come out the other side when right. they present us with that beautiful vision and then they forget that they've been through all that angst and they expect us to run to the future happily. So I think what I would say to leaders is slow down, listen, be a coach rather than a, a sort of flag waving change pace setter. <laughs> you know, take a step back, <laughs> take a breath and and, you know, make sure people are actually following you <laughs> yeah because you're uh you know you know you 
your story before about the, you know, the organizational change taking two years longer uh, than, than expected, uh, you know, it, it is true to slow down to ultimately go faster uh, yeah. does make uh, str strategic sense. And, and I, and I like, you know, I, I'm on a, I'm on a mission to improve the coaching skills of the average manager. And I believe strongly that uh, coaching is a big part of a manager's job, but there are instances where uh, an individual can and should be talking to an independent third party, uh, yeah. especially as they're wallowing in that valley of despair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the at the bottom of the they're at the bottom of the change curve, and the leaders yeah. and managers are out uh, are out running. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and I think I, I think. Please, sorry, Andy. I think I think um, people need to remember that when we're going through change, we we're losing something. You know, so so as we move through change, whatever that change is, we're giving something up. And and I think it's really important for those people who are leading change to recognize that and to give people the opportunity to explore that. You know, what what does that mean to me? I, I might lose a team. I might lose part of my job. I might lose my geographic location. I'm still losing something and I need to really understand what that means to me. So I think internal coaching, coaching for managers can work really well. But like you say, sometimes you need an objective person with no sort of skin in the game, no no stuff to, uh, to, to talk to as well. Yeah. And I, I also like really love your point uh, and want to to uh, double down on it here that, you know, a lot of leaders approach a change conversation and they think they've got to have everybody get everybody on board. They've got to win the hearts and minds uh, of everybody. But uh, it's important. Uh, and I, I learned this in my in my career. Sometimes it's OK to let folks go. Sometimes yes. it's just not going to work out yeah. and allowing the space and the time for individuals to make their own decisions about their fit and fitness with the future of that organization mm -hmm. and being willing to say goodbye to somebody who has, uh, you know, been a key contributor, uh, you know, that in the long run, Sometimes that's okay, and yeah. and being accepting of that is uh, is a tough thing for a leader to do. Yeah, I think sometimes they see that as a failure on their right. part, but actually it's the best thing for the individual, and I think that's what they should be encouraged by. Um, and I think I think feeling that that's a failure makes people risk averse. Yeah. So we try and protect everybody, and we try and make it all cozy and happy. And change isn't always like that. It's often very messy and uncomfortable. And um, and you, like you say, people just need time to process that. Right. So, Joe, on this on this podcast, we talk a lot about skills and reskilling. Uh, and I would be remiss to not uh, you know go there in quotes in this conversation. Uh, to, to offer some constructive uh, tips and hints uh, to both leaders and individual contributors. What are the top human skills that you'd encourage the leadership team of a company that's contemplating a major change to proactively instill in their people before the change occurs? 
Um, <laughs> I, could I shout tolerance? Because <laughs> I think I think what happens in a change that you know, like in a major transformational change, is we lose tolerance of other people. So, you know, we've already talked about things go wrong. It takes longer, and I think often. If something takes longer or if something goes wrong, we blame the leaders, um, we blame others, you know, and uh, if the change doesn't happen quickly enough from the leader's perspective, we blame the staff, the employees. So I think tolerance would be one of my biggest, which, of course, means that we need some empathy right. um, in order to understand where people are coming from. So I would... I would have those two as my yes, please. Let's if we're going to prepare for change, let's let's be more empathetic. Let's have more tolerance. Let's be you know sort of a bit safer with each other. I suppose. Um, yeah, my our, our, I interviewed our son um, in the in the previous mini series, and he talked a lot about psychological safety mm. uh, in teaching environments in the medical community. And yeah. uh, that concept of psychological safety, I think, is at the at the heart of what uh, of what you just described. And I love it. Tolerance. If you look at the list of the top fifteen or top twenty skills of the future, you, you're probably not going to find tolerance <laughs> in there. But I, I agree with you that I think tolerance, uh, uh, right alongside empathy, uh, which typically makes the top. 15, 20 lists, yeah, uh, tolerance and empathy does. should go together. I agree. I mean, I would add, you know, problem solving. Uh, if I think about all the changes that I've ever been through in organizational change, that ability to sort of think critically and solve problems, a little bit of reasoning and logic is really important in change. So we're not just driven by our emotions. So yep. You know, and I think they do appear often in the top skills. <laughs> so <Yeah>. we're all right. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we're getting close to time. I've got one more question for you. Uh, let's assume that you have an audience of managers and leaders who have not used coaching in their business, but are contemplating adding it to their employee development or engagement or change management strategies. What advice do you have to help those leaders get the best possible results? So I would say be brave and be creative. So I think what we find in organizations is the majority of large organizations have always used coaches, but they've often used coaches just for that sort of senior level. Yep. Um, so they have a number of coaches and they're, they're probably great. They're probably fabulous. But I would say get a cohort of coaches who are diverse, who reflect your organization. And I think what the pandemic has helped us do is see coaching and see how it can thrive in a virtual environment. So I can now be coached from my coach in Japan with no problem at all if we organize time zones. Right. Um, so I would encourage any leader or any buyer who's looking to, you know, bring coaching in to 
look at diversity. You know, who have you got in your organization? Get coaches that really reflect your employees. And the, the sort of second thing is, I would say, please, please, please see coaching as an opportunity to develop those people early in their careers. So if we used coaching more with new entrants, you know, apprentices, graduates, those straight from college, I think we would get more value more quickly because the thing that holds those people back is not their capability technically. It's all about their confidence, their belief, their ability to navigate an organization. So I would I would really say that to, to anyone thinking about coaching. See it as part of your development strategy and see it as something that you can offer at all levels, because I think that's really important that we don't save it for when you're senior. Yeah. Yeah. We, when we were working together, we talked about the democratization uh, of mm-hmm. coaching and my opinion uh, as uh, an executive leader was really shifted and changed uh, dur- during that time. Uh, earlier in my career as a leader, I looked as, at coaching as an elitist uh, exercise uh, for the top levels of the organization, uh, that it was a cost center, it was a drag on profitability, what was what really was going to be the return on mm-hmm. investment uh, mm-hmm. of that. Um, and, and so thank you so much for sharing all of these wonderful insights. Joe, you've been a phenomenal guest today. Uh, we, we are at time, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, Joe is the leader of the Coach Collective. Uh, you can find her on, uh, on LinkedIn and go to the Coach Collective website and uh, look her up and, and her business. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. I'm Andrew Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on andrewtempty.com. You can find the podcast on all the major podcasting services. Please like, subscribe, rate, and thank you so much for being here.